Good morning and welcome to the Tuesday Morning Blitz. It's the second to last episode of the football season, Kale. Brace yourself. The Super Bowl preview episode. I do believe it's only the second time we've done a full-on Super Bowl preview, so I'm ecstatic to bring this to all of you out there. We will be going over the key storylines going into the Super Bowl. Just talking stakes. We like to talk stakes. We'll go over the key matchups. That's when we get into some of the nerd talk. I anticipate Kale uh, maybe entering a fugue state at some point. That section. Finally, we got props. It's the prop weekend of the year. We're going to talk about what we like. Win the folks some money, even though I'm infamously bad at winning money on props uh, throughout our history as content creators. So with all that in mind, Kale, welcome to the program. Uh, let's talk Super Bowl. Let us act. Let's talk Super Bowl, Jackson. Let's Let's lock in. I think it's time. It's time to lock in. You're right. Uh, I, I just totally cut you off. That's that's you good podcasting right there. <laughs> uh, Kale, I would love to talk about some of the stakes in this Super Bowl. And to be honest, I think it starts with uh, young Patty Mahomes there. Patrick Mahomes, Kale, currently in a nine-way tie for fifth all-time in the two-Super Bowl club. And that is just among quarterbacks. So you, you think about some guys that have won two, both the Manning brothers, uh, even going back a little bit further, Elway. There's some real superstars that have won two Super Bowls, but the three or more Super Bowl club is ridiculously elite. It is just Troy Aikman with three and then Montana Bradshaw Brady. So that's the kind of atmosphere we're talking about Pat Mahomes entering if the Chiefs win this Super Bowl. And uh, I'm just going to kind of toss these to you on uh, on a scale of uh you know how how big that one feels to you you know what's what's the uh kale flames meter on mahomes being in the three super bowl club i think it's massive it's obviously massive like him like he's keeping pace with brady in the winning three of your first four if he wins at his age it's a little bit more of a factor where Mahomes is 28 and change. And I feel like Brady was old when he won that third ring, but he wasn't. He was only, he he was a year younger than fully. So it'll be really interesting to see kind of how like that pay shakes out. I've, We've talked about it on the pod before. I've never seen Mahomes as a as a twenty year guy. Uh, like it's he's always felt peak of his powers, like catch this bag, walk out healthy, and, and be a figurehead for a long time, uh, and like have a lot of longevity to his image. But I, if he can just exist at a peak for a really long time, I think that's super important to him, and I think it's just a. If he wins this real pass under the torch moment to just be solidified already as one of the greats before the age of 30. And, you know, he's winning this one in arguably the most impressive way possible. Like, zero help. Like, when I say zero help, I mean zero help. Uh, a full load of defense 
the entire playoff run finding new ways to win, whether it's like Buffalo, it's, you know, lightning quick, uh, scoring every drive, you know, high performing offense. The Ravens game, it's, it's hold the ball slow, methodical. Uh, the, the Dolphins game, it's winning in weather. Uh, it's, it's finding new ways to win every single time. And I think that is by far the most impressive, uh, part of this whole thing. On the yeah. Flames meter, if I'm putting it one to five, this is, this is probably, I don't, I don't see this as a super high stakes. I weirdly don't see this as a super high stakes Super Bowl, but I think this is one of the biggest storylines going on. It's like a four and a half Flames for me. It's interesting that you put it that way because while we may be weary of the matchup, the more I sort of dug into some of the storylines, the more I felt like this maybe was a super high stakes uh, Super Bowl because everyone that I kept bringing up, I was like, oh, damn. Like, I mean, obviously every Super Bowl is legacy. But like if the Lions were in this, for example, it would all just be like, oh, my God, what a great story the Lions are in this. How awesome will it be for that fan base if they win one? Uh, And that like, you know, grabs attention. But the Niners are essentially like coming to the end of this great era where, uh, well, not the end because Brock Purdy is still super young, but they've been on the precipice for basically like two head coaching tenures, the Harbaugh tenure and now the Shanahan tenure. They've been right there so many times, the two Super Bowl losses, but also three NFC championship game losses. This one means a lot to them, to John Lynch as a GM, to Shanahan as a head coach. Uh, and that's not even to get into some of the Brock Purdy stuff. So We'll get back to all of that, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'd like to stay on it actually because my yeah. take right now, if you, unless you were gonna comment on Mahomes' legacy stuff, I think this is like this is. I, I understand what you say. It doesn't feel like that big a matchup because maybe it's just because it lacks the novelty because these teams have been there before, but the 49ers. From our perspective, Jackson, this is a team. I know that I know they've got historic pedigree. This is a team that in the 21st century has not been able to get over the hump. Like they obviously had a ton of success in Montana, uh, continued success uh, into the Steve Young era. They have, you know, since 97 had two distinct eras where they've got the Harbaugh era where they go to three straight conference championships and lose that one Super Bowl to the Ravens and lose the other two conference championships. And then in the Shanahan era, they lose that Super Bowl to the Chiefs. They have a complete washout of a season due to injuries. Then make two more conference championships, lose both of those in varying heartbreaking degrees, and then are in the Super Bowl again. These are two legit dynasty-level runs with nothing to show for it. The Niners for the last, you know, damn near 15 years have been one of the best teams in football with a, you know, a healthy break transitioning between, uh, you know, Harbaugh, Jim Tom Sula, uh, Chip Kelly. I, I remember when Chip Kelly was a 49ers head coach. Into I, the I do, but I don't. I don't remember yeah, exactly. any games they play, but I remember the fact that they hired him and being very surprised. Having a point differential of negative 171. Uh, 
That was, that was a bad Niners team that was like 1-11 when they played the Patriots and they scored the first touchdown and then they just ended up losing like 40-7. to And I was like, this is the team that was in the Super Bowl like three years ago? Does not make sense. That's a, that's a, it's also a really funny uh, point differential because it's they, did, they were an okay offense. They just allowed the most points in a season in 49ers history with 480. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just the last 15 years, the last two dynasties, the 49ers have not been able to get over this anecdotal hump of just being, I, I was saying this to my dad earlier, how often can you be a top four team annually in the NFL and have nothing to show for it? At what point does that become a problem? Oh, yeah. No, to break it down in in numerical terms, and you're right, I missed an NFC Championship game loss. I think the one that I forgot to count, ironically enough, was last year uh, because they just felt like they weren't even in the NFC Championship by the time they had no quarterbacks. Uh, Seven Final Four appearances in the last 13 years, and now still nothing to show for it. So if they go 0 for 7, uh, I mean, think about how many times the Patriots were in it. I still think the most remarkable part of the Patriots run is the fact they were able to get that far every time and still like have a ridiculously good winning percentage from the final four on. So, yeah, man, I mean, just to like even break further into some of the Niner stuff of it, you've now got Kyle Shanahan, ghost of Super Bowls past. He was obviously the offensive coordinator in the 28-3 game, and then they also had a 10-point fourth quarter lead the last time they played the Chiefs. So, that's certainly going to become a huge narrative if they end up losing this game, especially if the Chiefs end up coming back on them in some way. Is the Niners have been very good in the last 15 years. They've been very good specifically in the Shanahan era, but this is the big one specifically they got to win this time around. You know what's a crazy stat about the – not even just the Kyle Shanahan Super Bowl thing. Specifically Kyle Shanahan against Steve Spagnuolo. They have – uh, this is from Ben Solak via uh, True Media. In the two matchups, Week 7 of 2022 and Super Bowl 54, EPA per drive. I, I forget what time frame this is out of. I'll pull up the ringer to clarify it when I'm done. But they have a 70th percentile EPA per drive in Super Bowl 54 and a 91st percentile success rate. Week 7 of 2022, 60th percentile uh, EPA per per drive and a 71st percentile success rate. So in both of those games, Spagnuolo hasn't even really been able to contain the 49ers offense that much. Like on a efficiency basis, they are still well above league average, if not elite. It's just he's getting screwed in some other way. Like it's either the Mahomes side of things or it's defensive blunders. But like it's not like it's Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting. It's not your fault. Like it's really it's not your fault. Yeah. Or it's Brock Purdy. 
I don't even remember who the receiver was, but that massive overthrow in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl and just generally being uh, did I say Brock Purdy? I meant Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't even I don't know what came out of my mouth. Uh, but the point the point being adding to your point that it's not his fault. Uh, we talk about the other head coach here. Uh, we talked about quarterbacks with three more Super Bowls. Andy Reid could be just the fifth coach with three Super Bowls. Uh, Belichick, obviously, with six. Chuck Knoll with four. Joe Gibbs and, ironically enough, 49ers great Bill Walsh with three each. So Andy Reid's starting to get up there. I mean, he's already a Hall of Famer, obviously, but we never really had Andy Reid in, like, the Pantheon, maybe even Mount Rushmore discussion of head coaches, and I think that starts to become a conversation if they get this one done as well. I'm there's a there's a tiny there's a teeny tiny part of me that thinks Reed walks after this game if he wins. Uh but I absolutely see that. Every like within within the last 24 hours, I, not even stuff I've been privy to. Uh uh Reed is Reed is apparently addressed retirement uh in his uh Media Day, uh, the exact quote: "Am I retiring? Uh, am I retiring? Listen, my mom and dad told me this when they were working. They said you'll know when it's time, and I'm ready to go right now. Let's go. That's what they would tell me when I was young. I was an inquisitive kid. So that's the way I look. Somewhere you're going to know when it's time. Today is not the day. And I don't know if it just means today is not the day, like today before the Super Bowl next Tuesday, uh, however." Uh, you came, you came out a little robot-y there, Pete. Oh, excuse me. I said next Tuesday, however. Yeah. Stories change. Uh, and then the Chiefs the Chiefs uh, owner came out and said, like, there's, you know, I haven't gotten any uh, inclination or, like, I like I haven't sensed from Reed that he's about to retire either. So, you know, we'll see. But I think – to give him the option to retire, I think cementing legacy would be big. I also now think with the news about the enemy, uh, I think he's going to pull a bit of a mayo and get his guy back in the building because he loves Eric Bieniemy. He's gone to bat for Eric Bieniemy. He apparently, I was listening to a ringer thing, uh, that Reed has gone in at league meetings uh, with owners and like personally gone up and being like, what's the deal? Why haven't you hired Eric Bianami for a job yet? Uh, so he's like really going to bat for this guy. And just the pattern of successorship with truly great coaches. Uh, Carroll didn't have anything there, but he trusted uh, Seahawks, the Seahawks front office to uh, kind of continue things going forward. Belichick has left such a big legacy that he, like, when Mayo was about to walk, he said, let's lock him in. And Kraft had successorship language in his deal. So it would be interesting. The note about that is that they get to completely skip the vetting process. They don't have to do a rule. They don't have to do interviews. They don't have to delay it all. They can immediately announce it. Uh, and Reed can just say, like, listen, this is my guy. He's been with us before. We can just lock this in. No, they wouldn't have to do that for next year. Like he would do. Well, I'm saying he would come back and then do that. Okay, so one year, one year so is like maybe it's, OC yeah. again. Especially like especially if he doesn't win. Yeah, I don't hate that theory at all. 
I, I first of all think it's <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury, really. <laughs> that's that's what we're doing now. We're doing uh, the Dan Quinn Cliff Kingsbury. I don't hate it. Like, listen, did like Cliff Kingsbury hold Kyler Murray back? Yes. Did Cliff Kingsbury uh, like make Patrick Mahomes look like a, a not generational talent? Yes. Uh, is his one year at USC associated with uh, the first time in his collegiate career that Caleb Williams has been questioned as a number one overall pick? Also, yes. Uh, but, like, you know, try it. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work with Eric Bieniemy, but, like, you know, what's more air raid going to hurt? He can, like, he can make it work with Caleb. The offense at uh, – at USC was just one big yakety sax track, but like, you know, that, maybe maybe in a professional offense we'll see. That is literally the Tobias Fumke meme that you have referenced before. With has that yeah, worked for other people? It. No, they somehow delude themselves into thinking it'll work instead of addressing the bigger issues at hand. But it might work for us. Your 2024 Washington Commanders. Well played, <laughs> sir. I, I think the, the Dan Quinn hire was just the biggest, like, yeah, we got caught at the table. Like, we've got to just walk away with something. Oh, we thought we had Ben Johnson in our lap. Turns out Bobby, we ben Johnson, Bobby Slowick walked, too. <laughs> like, when ben, like, they're both – I'm so pumped for both of them to be in the NFC East next year, and neither of them are, play, are coaching for the uh, Washington Commanders. It'll be great. I see that. Now – I, I want to talk uh, some some Purdy before we get too far gone on the uh, storyline stuff here. Uh, Brock Purdy, I I often everyone knows Mister Irrelevant. That's the tagline. Uh, we don't I don't think we hear the number often enough. Pick two sixty one because everyone knows Brady was picked number one ninety nine. Two sixty one like the draft had extra picks like way way more than it ever had before. 260 other players were drafted before this guy. And I found this little nugget that, you know, it won't rank maybe five on your flames meter. But did you know the Chiefs had four seventh rounders last year before Purdy went last in that seventh round? Do you know who those four guys were? They were Nazih Johnson, cornerback from Marshall, Derek Young, receiver from Lenore Rhine, Jalen Watson, cornerback from Washington State, and Isaiah Pacheco. Three maybe misses. One oh, long Watson. I, I thought I thought Jalen Watson was Justin Watson. I was like, home run. No, no. <laughs> Nailed that. No, no. Uh, so if you hit on one of those four picks, let it be the right one. Isaiah Pacheco, back-to-back Super Bowl champ. If there's one man to stop the uh, the Brock Purdy story from, uh, you know, worst to first, as it were, it just might be Pacheco who was drafted like 10 picks before him. <sighs> I mean, yeah, I I wanted to throw this one out there. Uh, We're doing props early. Give you Sam Darnold's odds to win MVP. Uh, I saw it somewhere. Wasn't it like 25 to 1 or something? Or 200 200 to 1. Yeah. Yeah, it's 200 to 1. But that's in the same as like Chidobia Wuzier. Trent McDuffie, Marquez Valdez Scantling, uh, other like big Niners that aren't 
uh, Nick Bosa or Fred Warner. It's like the majority of the Niners' defense, a few of the Chiefs' defense, and like a few non Kelsey, Rishi, Rice, Pacheco skill position players. The fact that your backup quarterback's that high is crazy. I think this is a big narrative defining moment for Brock Purdy. Uh, even even if it doesn't shake the shake the uh, you know Shanahan assistant allegations, it's still like you beat in some capacity because of your throws. You beat a Steve Spagnuolo defense, the best defense the Chiefs have ever had, and you, no matter what, you went toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes and won. Yeah. The quarterback conversations are always so ridiculous and so just not grounded in reality. Uh, And people forget there was obviously a long period of time where Brady was considered a system quarterback too. And I'm not comparing Purdy to Brady in any sense of the word, but what I will say is uh, it does not matter uh, what hand the quarterback has in winning the Super Bowl. Like obviously, you know, you want Super Bowl MVP on your resume, go ahead, knock yourself out. But like, the guy has a ring on his finger. The guy has a ring on his finger. Uh, and that's what the players actually care about. They don't care about the hypothetical, uh, oh, am I 16th or 12th in uh, Steven Ruiz's quarterback rankings this week? And, you know, they'll sometimes they'll say stuff like that doesn't matter to them, but it really does. I truly don't think this is one of them. Nobody, nobody on the Niners is going to be upset about uh, Purdy system talk if they end up winning. And similarly, uh, nobody's going to take solace in uh, Purdy is awesome talk if they lose. Like it's all purely results based at this point. I'm pumped for no one's narrative to change. <laughs> Truly, no one's. Nobody's changing their tune at this point, which is why I've I've enjoyed kind of my seat in the middle lane of all this as uh, somebody who I feel like has said a lot of really nice things about Brock Purdy on podcasts, but also had to be. Uh, the voice of reason in text chains with my dad, who basically thinks he's Joe Montana 2.0. Uh, so I feel like I'm, I'm going to have a nice uh, career set up right in the middle lane uh, for years to come uh, when speaking about young Brock Purdy. Yeah, we did the whole – we worked we worked it against the Ruiz chart last week. I'm so comfortable uh, using him as, as my as, – as the wind in my sails of you can win a Super Bowl with an okay quarterback. I'm excited for – uh, non, uh, you know, teams without quarterbacks in the top 10 or like top 10 arguments to start trying to vie for Super Bowls with, you know, massive uh, caches of talent that aren't a quarterback. I want the Seahawks to start making plays for like Mike Evans. Actually, it makes no sense to me defense, but you know what I mean. Uh, and let me say as well that – I know that like we just said, you know, it's not like that big of a a legacy defining moment for him specifically, like people won't change their opinions, but I do think we'll learn a lot about him from this game because of what the Super Bowl is specifically. And I'm not bringing up anything new here, but I think it bears repeating the Super Bowl environment is so different than any other game. Like it's not a home game. It's not a road game. It's just the biggest stage. It's a weird atmosphere. It's like a four and a half hour pregame. You're just overthinking everything for the entire day. And then it's like a 45-minute halftime on top of that. So, like, you'll never have more opportunities to overthink stuff as a player. And if Purdy can 
just kind of be like the guy that he's been for the last two years in, in spite of that environment change, I think that'll tell us a lot about him. I think it will too. Uh, not even like he's been pretty calm, cool, collected. Uh, I'm yeah. I, I think pressure is a big element because I don't think it's just the fact that he's had some bad weather games and those are the thing been the things that really affect him. But we shall see. Did you have any other big uh, narrative defining things? I thought some some cute ones were the. Uh, McCaffrey Shanahan uh 2.0 bit. Mm. Uh it's a good one. Didn't have didn't have it written down. Good one though. Uh Ed and Mike, Kyle and uh Christian. Uh I think that one's just fun because I think it, it speaks to CMC more as a whole, where maybe maybe I'm you know, we're biased as people who kind of play fantasy football, but it feels like he has been one of the, if not the best, offensive weapons in the league for some time now. Uh, you know, uh, Derrick Henry was the only running back who had more uh, rushes than him. Uh, no other running back had more yards from scrimmage. Uh, I, I think no one touched the ball more than uh, Christian McCaffrey this year. Uh, ju- just like all-around offensive weapon, it'll be – uh, great to see him. We'll be talking a lot about him this show. Uh, when we start to break down this game, we start to do some props. But I I just think having this kind of super team spearheaded by – not spearheaded, but uh, the fact that Christian McCaffrey is kind of the KD to this Warriors team. Mm-hmm. I, know that Warrior, I know this team hasn't won a ring, and we've talked about that. I don't uh, hate that analogy, though. But him being that extra piece and him being hyper elite, uh, bringing this team to a new level and unlocking more for this group of guys is very exciting. And I would like to see him not just be able to pull it off and help drive this team to a win, but like damn near vie for MVP. Like, like I, I see – I see a big game coming for this guy. Yeah, two things about that. One, the uh, I mean, you talked about just kind of like the narratives around McCaffrey throughout his career. One of them was that like, you know, couldn't trust the guy to stay healthy for a full season. Bad teams, merchant in Carolina, like all that kind of stuff. And two, the trade where the Niners end up in a bidding war with the Rams and they end up, you know, people are saying they love the trade for Carolina. They question why the Niners gave up so much for a running back, even if he is the most versatile running back and he's got the injury concerns. Uh, All of that can like really be uh, reverse vindicated, if you will. I'm not going to say like they're proving anybody wrong because I don't think anyone doubted that McCaffrey could be this great, especially if he was able to stay healthy, but just all of that has worked out in such a positive way for them so far, but it would be really an extra level of working out for them to validate it with a title. Uh, So I definitely see that uh, as a big one. The other one that I had is uh, just kind of Kittle Kelsey talk, because I know they're not like on the same stratosphere historically as tight ends. But, you know, what made me think of this was uh, Kelsey doing the master class like, oh, Kittle's the best tight end in the league right now. You know, we have so much respect for those guys. Same thing as Spagnuolo saying, like, I see a star when I watch Brock Purdy on tape. Uh, And I thought about it and I was like, you know, 
people talk a lot about the stylistic differences between Kelsey and Gronk. Uh, just historically, like Gronk being just this do-it-all Swiss Army knife as a tight end, run through your face, best blocker in the game, great receiver, could do it all. Kelsey, just big wide receiver, best route runner, most shifty, elusive, but, you know, probably better hands than Gronk, although Gronk had great hands. Uh, Kittle's kind of like more in the Gronk category. Uh, and we have like this, you know, Kelsey Gronk debate as the two tight ends of this era. Kelsey can get pretty close to Gronk. You know, some people probably already have Kelsey ahead of Gronk, uh, especially Chiefs fans. And like, if you just go by like raw numbers, like all the stats will say, just from a receiving standpoint, Kelsey's had the better career. Uh, so three rings to Gronk's four, like that would really make it a tough conversation if you're talking about best tight end of all time. Whereas if Kittle wins this game, like, okay, he's got a ring. That bolsters his Hall of Fame case. Maybe he's like the 10th best tight end of all time. Maybe he's seventh. I don't know. It's like tight end legacy talk we can do from this game almost as much as we can do it for quarterbacks. It's – I want to get behind you, but this is where I get into like legacy stuff. Or, or This is where I get into like the low stakes things or it's just like – I think it's important to have a head-to-head battle of two people at their respective uh, peaks of power at their position, like two of the best people at their position of this generation, two people who will go down as two of the top 10 tight ends to play the position, uh, probably when it's all said and done. I'm saying probably in the caveat that, like, Kittle's really good. I don't know if he's top 10. Uh, But, I like, this is the kind of narrative where it's, like, beyond – Mahomes and Reed pushing record books and beyond Kelsey pushing all time uh, stuff. I can't, I can't get fully jazzed up for tight end wars. Uh, I, I see. That's fine. Don't need you to be jazzed up, but think about you know five years from now when we talk about the number of rings these guys. No, have. I think the rings important for sure. I think the rings totally important, but I also think like in the same capacity that you know. I don't think I don't think uh Kelsey can ever like be in the same conversation as Gronk, like you said, because of the all around stuff. Uh because Gronk was just like so physical and so unique. Uh and, and just like was pushed to the absolute limits of his body, uh in like a like almost like film-esque kind of way, like hobbled in machinery and bandages and... Yeah, lest we uh, forget they're the same age and Gronk's already been out for... It's crazy. I was almost going to make a longevity thing for Gronk where I was like, he did it for so long and like sacrificed so much for his body and that took all the wins out of those cells. No, Uh, for sure. And uh, and like Kelsey, like you said, the numbers are always going to be way bigger for Kelsey because of how many more years he was able to do it for. But you just want to talk like peaks, like what can this guy, if you're drafting a football team, like what can this guy bring to the table? I think that's why Pats fans and probably like the majority of NFL analysts will lean Gronk just because of the do-it-all-ness that he's able to provide. Yeah. Uh only other like big narrative stuff I had was uh, I don't really have anything for this Niners defense. Like I can't picture Fred Warner escalating his reputation beyond 
best linebacker in the league uh, beyond making like, you know, if he shuts down Pacheco in a big highlight way, if he makes some crazy plays in coverage against Kelsey, uh, if he gets a big strip shack on Mahomes, a la Dante Hightower against Matt Ryan, like I could see some stuff in that mix that like, you know, add some stuff to an already uh, pretty stellar Hall of Fame resume. Sure. Uh, Nick Bosa, similar department. Like, Nick Bosa's almost been, I wouldn't say underrated, but, like, overshadowed by the fact that he's had, like, such a crazy uh, defensive line. We're in such a golden era of edge rushing talent. Yeah. Um, he did win a depoy. We'll give no, him a but, like, the fact that he has to compete with T.J. Watt and Micah Parsons year in and year out is kind of crazy. Like, the fact that he couldn't – I know Aaron Donald plays a different position. But the fact that he couldn't have his kind of Aaron Donald era where he's just top of the league, most feared guy, uh, I find that interesting. Like, redemption story for Chase Young, uh, hopping on that team to get away and, like, maybe upping some of his stock. Like, John Hargrave getting over the hump. Like – I'm kind of like pulling straws for these or grasping at straws for these 49ers things. But I genuinely think this, if the Chiefs win and if it's because it's defensive, Brock Purdy is not a. Sorry, I have to pause myself. Brock Purdy's not a consistent quarterback. I was going to say Brock Purdy's not a good quarterback. I'm not opening up that can. I can do that. Brock Purdy's not a consistent quarterback. Uh, he is hyper-volatile. It's very good because he is not afraid of taking risks. It's very bad because he sometimes makes bad throws when he takes those risks because he's not a consistent quarterback. Excuse me about his news. Please hold. They passed. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to brace myself and then let it pass, and then it passed. Uh, but you get what I'm saying. I don't see – like, this is the one of the best defenses Steve Spagnuolo's ever had. Uh, it's one of the best defenses of the Kansas City Chiefs era. Uh, it is fueled by uh, really young talent. Uh, George Colostos, Trent McDuffie, Leo Chennault. Uh I'd even throw – I don't know ages off the top of my head like that on the defensive side of the ball, but I'd even throw Snead in that young department because I think he's still technically on a rookie deal. Uh He's still def definitely on a rookie, the last one of that, but he's 26 years old. Like the faces of this defense, uh, non-Chris Jones category, are almost exclusively defense. And they've made some really bold plays in building this defense. Like, oh, we're just going to let Honey Badger walk? We're just going to let Tyron Matthew walk? Oh, yeah, no, we've got Lejarius Sneed waiting in the wings. Like he's going to eat. Uh, you know, we're going to – trade back with the Patriots and we're still going to get a cornerback who completely transforms our room. Uh, yeah. We're going to like keep taking linebackers and now we've got, uh, you know, now we've got Leo Chanel and Willie Gay and uh, Drew Tranquil and Nick Bolton. And we're crushing right now. Uh, the rest of this team is – this isn't the normal Chiefs team that we're getting. And I think – excuse me. 
Also, don't uh, I will not critique you. Jalen Watson's CB three on this roster, uh, so not total boss to get Jalen Watson. I'd I've say only- he's total boss. Will he? Will he make an impact play in this game? Probably not. But like me saying that probably increases the odds of it happening. So don't be such a doubter. Just believe blindly, like I do. What if he picks off Brock Purdy? Oh my God, the narratives, Kale. (laughs) Jalen Watson picked before Brock Purdy, and they were right. You're not ready for that conversation. You're so good (laughs) at making narratives. Uh, what about uh, what about the other guy, Nazik Johnson? Is I don't imagine he'll be picking off Brock Purdy in this game. Uh, no, because he's on IR, Jackson. Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't uh, mean to bring up wounds. He's on season-ending IR. Uh, no, he's got. Uh, he was a big deal. He had two picks last playoffs. Uh, not much this. He only has one pass defense this year. Uh, he was put in a bigger position to play last year, but he was like. We started wow. playing 100% of snaps in the uh, Kansas City-Cincinnati game. That's He was hooping. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't uh, know this guy existed, to be honest. <laughs> I, I fully am in the same boat as you. Uh, but, yeah, th- this is a really important game to solidify Steve Spagnuolo as one of uh, the more underrated defensive minds, not in the NFL, because I think everyone knows that Steve Spagnuolo is running one of the best defenses at the moment, but just kind of his track record of being the DC for the 07 Giants, uh, being the, like being in the room for those really early Eagles teams, uh, and then kind of flaming out in his one and a half head coaching stint because he was a Giants interim uh, after he went back to the Giants and he, he didn't last long when he went to St. Louis. Uh, but like he's now built, if I've got this count right, uh, three Super Bowl defenses between or four between the Eagles, Giants, Ravens, and now Chiefs. Uh, that's crazy. I know he didn't build the Giants because he was a young DC and it was his first year there, but that's that's good stock, and he's got to get some credit for that. I will give him all the credit. I I sort of lost my train of thought because I was like, am I confusing Nazee Johnson with Jalen Watson? So that's where my head was at, and you were talking about uh, Jalen Watson having the two picks last postseason. So also uh, I can somewhat remember that. Nazee Johnson, I don't know if he's actually a real human or just a plant in this case, because I haven't heard a word about him besides the fact that you just told me he's an IR. Uh, I'll pro football reference him. Uh, there can't be too many Nazis. Uh, yes, but, uh, yeah, I was also wrong. Tackles. I was also wrong in the sense that uh, I screwed up my Ravens years, and I think he came uh, right after that uh he he, ba- he barely missed that uh Ravens uh Niner Super Bowl. I believe that he missed it. I <laughs> I would not have known I'd have to look at Spagnola's Wikipedia page. I did. I was he on Jalen it. Watson's Wikipedia page. So how could I be on both at once? You know? He came he came the year after. He was with the Saints the year before. Mm. 
We'll see what this he and he just missed a Saints championship too. He so. also just missed a Saints championship. That is he, hey, he's been around greatness, even if he hasn't been winning. He's been in a championship caliber building for 20 years almost. So we like that for Stevie Spags. Uh I think we've we've sort of devolved almost into that uh, you know, time of the show anyway. So we might as well fully dip our toe. In uh, matchup keys, where we get a little on the nerdy side of things, uh, I think it's fitting that we pick up on uh, maybe a place we were last week with some of the matchup keys, uh, something we had already already identified as a key. Uh, I want to talk ground game, and you mentioned earlier in the show that the Chiefs' run defense versus the Niners' run offense may be the biggest, you know, statistical advantage either team has here. Niners number two. In uh, running offense, DVOA, Chiefs number 27 in defense. I want to talk about the other side because we watched the Lions gash them, uh, them being the 49ers last week, uh, for over 180, I think it was, rush yards and two touchdowns. And now we're bringing in Isaiah Pacheco, who, as we mentioned, is uh, Jersey Tough. Uh, the best seventh-round running back in the history of the league and may or may not be able to uh, kind of swing this game. Uh, we talked about last week, Bosa and Young struggling to set the edges, uh, just kind of being a little overzealous. Uh, you talked about again. I, I just didn't. Agree, but you you talked disagree with, with Young being overzealous at setting the edge? Because I, I could have pointed to I think Young's I, – I disagree with the Bosa thing. Because in reading more, I think I think the Juwan Taylor matchup is going to be a nightmare for uh, Kansas City. Uh, mm. Considering the amount of holding calls he's gotten, uh, that deal, oh God, I, I want to do a worst contract thing because uh, that Jawan Taylor four by eighty deal is looking worse and worse by the day. Uh, the fact that they've got him on the books for three years, I don't know if that thing's like really a two year deal or something, but like that was a long term lock in, and that's botched. Uh, this but- is added intrigue. This is exactly. Uh, not something that I had in my notes, obviously, but something that adds to the intrigue of this side of the matchup. Because we're talking like this is going to be one of the things that dictates the game. If this two gets three holding calls this game, that's going to dictate the oh, impact, guarantee yeah. it. And, and, and offensive linemen get more holding calls when they're getting beat. Uh, that's just a thing. Like they grab on for last second to your life. Admittedly, Jackson, most of my notes are on – one side of this ball, meaning San Francisco D versus Kansas City offense, because that's what I think uh, – or sorry, San Francisco offense versus Kansas City D, because that's what I think the premier matchup is. I do have stuff on uh, on that side of the ball. Uh, what is really interesting is that even with Pacheco having success this year uh, – by all numbers, the Kansas City Chiefs' run offense has been average to below average in every single game this year. Uh, their only really good game, which you were pointing to as, uh, you know, built Ford tough, Jersey strong. Uh, the only game that they've had uh, positive, like elite running success is against Buffalo. And you and I played linebacker in that game. Uh, like, it wasn't really – like, they didn't have bodies. It was, was a huge, huge problem. I made some uh, tackles. Yeah. No, listen. We gave it our all. 
we didn't. It didn't work how we wanted it. Yeah, we I left did it all out on the ice for sure. The game, the game contract is huge. Like that is life changing for you and I. Uh, <laughs> but you got to think the in this like think about the Niners' offense that I was reading. A lot of my prep for this was Solak and Ruiz base because uh, they're so goddamn good at this whole thing. Uh, they were talking about the, uh, for lack of a better word, elasticity of the 49ers offense, uh, where they run some of the most compact sets in the league. Uh, 21 personnel, uh, guys on the line of scrimmage, uh, Juszczyk and McCaffrey both in the backfield, uh, Debo and Ayuk both in bunch, Kittle in line, and we'll have like one of the most compact units on the football field. Uh, I will pull up the actual uh, mentions about that kind of play calling because I think it's fascinating and I'd like to read it if you don't totally glaze over on it. Uh, but it then also allows that same personnel group of Juszczyk, McCaffrey, Kittle, Ayuk, uh, Debo to then – those guys can all also go out into empty and stretch out the entire 53 and a third yards of the field and completely stretch a defense that, for the most part, wants to play cover two nickel uh, or cover two man under. Uh, but, like, mostly wants to just load the field with defensive backs and have one or two linebackers left. Uh, they run a lot of nickel. They run a lot of dime. Uh it's 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 a matchup nightmare for this team, and I know we were talking about. Wait, fuck! Did I just did I do a thing? Did I do the thing where I talk about the exact opposite of what you want to talk about? Uh, well, we're already on that. We're in that vein. That I had a lot I, of stuff in there, so we no, can, we can go there. We we could go back to it. Uh, I just I got on a tangent and I screwed up. Uh, <laughs> I said I needed to talk. I mentioned like two things about the. Uh, about the thing, and I scrolled up in my notes, and I don't have it divided, so I just started talking about San Francisco offense. Uh, so let's just start rattling an offense. Uh, Kansas City is not going to want to try and take out McCaffrey. I think it gives him too much. Uh, Kansas City is really awesome at covering the short parts of the field, and Brock Purdy can throw deep, deeper than Jimmy Garoppolo could, but he's still not like a crazy A dot guy. Uh, and if you succumb to covering McCaffrey and loading box, which, by the way, uh, they have uh, – I think this one was from uh, Sumer Sports. Uh, they are one of the best teams in the league against heavy boxes. Uh, they are fourth in facing and frequency, third in yards per carry against a heavy box at four and a half. Uh, lead the league in EPA per rush against heavy boxes and lead in success rate against uh, heavy boxes. Like, it just doesn't matter. They have Christian McCaffrey. So that's kind of a lost cause. So what you still kind of want to just do is rely on, like, just not allowing the best team by yards after the catch to completely gash you uh, and still try and just control the short game and control those short passes while just not letting Christian McCaffrey get too bad. 
like I think McCaffrey walks away with a hundred on the ground and a touchdown, it's a win for Kansas City. I think it's a win for Kansas City. I like uh, that phrasing of it. Uh, same uh, same platform, different people. I was reading uh, Shil Kapadia's Ringer. Uh, 25 things that will decide the Super Bowl matchup. And one of them was basically like, how much nickel and dime do the Chiefs run against the Niners 21 and 22 personnel? And like, what does that look like? Because the Niners are the heaviest 21 and 22 personnel team in the league, kind of like you talked about. And the Chiefs just don't really like to change what they do. And they have all these super athletic defensive backs that like to just kind of throw at you. So like, can they stop the run when they have five or six DBs on the field? That's just kind of like the the personnel grouping matchup that comes down to decide this game on the on the Niners' offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested because because there's also this crazy uh, this crazy stat. Sumer Sports, uh, for those of you uh, unfamiliar, uh, it's Eric Eager uh, who used to be one of the heads of data at. Uh, PFF, who uh, spun off and uh, kind of co-founded his own thing, uh, but it's it's really really like niche data rich uh, stuff that that is so thorough. This breaks down. I have I'm on page five of this Super Bowl 2024 breakdown, uh, and their pass rush breakdown is just like. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve bits of information. Like it, it's doing offensive performance uh, for usage, EPA, pressure, and sack rate, all on uh, broken up by three rushers or less, four rushers, five rushers, and six plus rushers, and then doing that for the Chiefs out of the ball. Like it is, it's so thorough and so good, but. Uh, back to what I was initially talking about with these pressure stats. Chiefs blitz a lot. Chiefs send six or more at one of the highest rates in the league. Uh, they drop a good amount back uh, pretty frequently. Uh, like they'll do, like they'll do some three-man rushes. Uh, they bring a lot of five-man, and they bring a ton of six-man. Bringing seven and a half percent. Sorry, bringing six or more on seven and a half percent of your plays is a ton, and they're really good at uh, generating uh, negative EPA off that. They they average negative half a point of EPA every time they do that. The Niners are also just elite. Whenever like they're good at everything, which is kind of the issue, uh, but they're one of the best. Like they're the best team in the league facing a five man rush. They're fourth in the league facing a six or more man rush. Uh, but on that six or more man rush, they average a uh, the tenth lowest sack rate in the league at six point seven, and an EPA per play of 0.38. Like they are crazy against big blitzes, and I just don't know how Spagnuolo is going to handle this because the Forty Niners have Trent Williams and a bad line. Like they have Trent Williams, and it averages out to an okay line. And, it, like, no one has made this. Uh, speaking of PFF, uh, Steve Palazzolo and Sam Monson were talking about this today. Uh, no one has made it a big issue for this team. Brock Purdy is pretty good at getting out of, like, he makes mistakes and he gets pressured. 
but he's not a very heavily sacked quarterback in the you know totality of this yeah. league. I have the numbers for that if you want them there. Oh, 20, yeah. 27th in uh, pressure rate as an offense, but they're only ninth in sack rate allowed, which you can attribute a lot of that to Purdy. And guess what? The Chiefs are first in pressure rate as a defense. So maybe yeah. this is the team that can finally make them pay. It is a huge Chris Jones game. Uh, having use check is a bit of a cheat code, especially with the amount of 21 they run. It plays into Kansas City because that is now one person less that they have to worry about. Because you'd rather you'd rather be able to have use check in some diagrams on the ringer. They had use check as the X receiver, the X or the Z, regardless. But had him fully split out, strong side. Yeah, fully split out, strong side, uh, the furthest most right receiver. Uh, I don't know if that's intentional. I guess you'd you'd rather have Samuel and Ayuk in the slot, and but like putting McCaffrey, I can trust out wide. Fullback use check, I do not know. Uh, I don't know if I'm putting the fullback wife guy. Uh, you saw the catch he made last week. Out. I get it. I get it. It works. It's you know listen. Patriots. I'm not going to buy into everything immediately. It takes yeah. it takes a little bit for me. You remember um, when the Patriots won a Super Bowl with that against the Rams when they just caught a look on the game-winning drive that if they split James Devlin out wide, he would be covered by basically like one of the most key pass rushers and just kind of leave everything in the middle of the field wide open. And they got a play to Devlin on the sideline, and then they ran it again, and they got a catch to Edelman wide open over the middle, and then they got the long ball to Gronk that was basically the, the winning play. So well, back wide win Super Bowls. That ha- that Super Bowl happened in the midst of uh, me uh, n- not being responsible and uh, covering the league. Uh, so kind of not really. Uh, but – yeah, like the offensive lines can be an issue. Uh, they want to run a lot of small personnel stuff. They might not be able to because of the amount that they will have to cover McCaffrey and these 21 personnel looks. Uh, another thing I just want to throw out, uh, referencing your Capaccia article, uh, they run a lot of man. You know who does really well a lot of man? George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. Most frequent targets versus man coverage. Uh and kind of interestingly, uh, Debo uh, particularly struggles the most uh, against man. Uh, just found that interesting. They barely target him in the man snaps. Uh, but this is a uh, – uh, yeah, just that side of the ball, this is where the action is going to be. Uh, I think finding Chris Jones is going to be a uh, legitimate, unique problem there. Uh, you've got to be able to account for him. Uh, I think it's a big game for Kittle because they – their linebackers – I want to check their DVOA against receivers quick. Uh, but I just don't see them as a, a – if I remember correctly, they're not elite elite against tight ends. Well, they have uh, one of the only good ones, which makes it easier for them to not have a defense. It does. It does. When you don't have Kelly or Kelsey in the sample size – uh, it becomes a lot easier to fare against. But you know what, Jackson? That's the beauty of DVOA because it is opponent-adjusted. Uh, but Kansas City 
is uh, 10th, 10th against tight ends. Uh, so they do. Okay. Uh, they do very well, actually. Uh, I won't say, okay. That Fairly is helpful well. to them. Uh, they do. The top 10 is going to be very well. They do very well against tight ends. Uh, so they do very well against tight ends. Uh, PFF has outlined one of their big matchups as uh, uh, as Debo Samuel versus Trent McDuffie. Uh, McDuffie has had a down sophomore year uh, and a big bounce back against the Ravens. Uh, the Debo Samuel uh, was banged up for portions of this playoffs. And I just said has uh, – God, he <laughs> – Debo, despite being up and down, uh, has forced 0.62 missed tackles per touch. Uh, the highest rate by any player with at least five touches. Uh, that's a crazy stat. Uh, yeah. If you did a freeze frame on just like some of the balls that Debo Samuel catches, like let's call it like five frames before the catch point where his hands are out and you just kind of see where he's at and where the defense is at. Some of those that turn into touchdowns are just like, what are we doing here, man? He is truly ridiculous. And <laughs> part of why I say this is because I saw a really dumb, mean-spirited TikTok the other day that was just uh, a video compilation of all Brock Purdy's touchdowns from this year, and it broke it down like numerically into like good throw, easy throw, and all wide receiver. And I did not support the message of the TikTok of just like, oh, they're all easy throws. I did support the message of, holy crap, how did Debo turn five of these into touchdowns? And he yeah. might do that twice in this game. So definitely not like anecdotal at all. Yeah. Uh, no, I totally agree. That's the big like Debo elite athlete uh, speed guy. It'll be interesting to see him against uh, – McDuffie is is taking a bit of like not like a bit of a step back. He just had a crazy rookie year. Uh, PFF still has him as their highest graded uh, coverage corner uh, when lined up inside eighty nine and a half uh, PFF coverage grade. Uh, partially a credit to his aggressive and sound approach to tackling, having totaled just three missed tackles all season. So uh, good on McDuffie for fundamentals. However. I see this as more, not more, but uh, my preferred matchup is Legereus need to Brandon Ayuk because Brandon Ayuk is such a man-centric uh, ball winner in these cases. And Legereus need has blossomed into uh, not just one of uh, the Chiefs' best corner or not just the co best corner on the Chiefs, but – one of the better corners in the NFL period uh, as a part of this defense. Uh, that is going to be one of the most premier matchups on this side of the ball. Absolutely. And just to even further that, it's like we've seen Sneed kind of have his way or at least be very competitive in games with other top receivers. And Ayuk's just kind of different than all of those guys. You know, he's – he shut down A.J. Brown. He's done really well in two games against Stephon Diggs. And it's like... Jerry Sneed. Yeah. It could could have no bearing on this Ayuk matchup because Ayuk is just such a burner 
uh, and so shifty that like success against other wide receiver ones does not necessarily like he's he doesn't really fit the archetype of any of the other top receivers in my mind right now because he's not a true burner like a Tyreek, but he's also not like a technician route runner like Jefferson or a physical ball hawk like uh, AJ Brown. Like he just kind of like gets shifty wins in space and is really fast, just not like Tyreek Hill fast. And he also has really good hands. So he's just kind of like this do it all guy that like, you don't think of him as having any one elite skill set, but like all combined together, it's more than elite it's top tier. Yeah. When you're, when you're, you know, instead of min maxing, if you've, if you've just got 80% in every stat category, you right. realize that you have a massive stat pool. And yeah. that will eventually uh, bear out. Uh, other side of the ball, you think too. Not to like harp on Brandon Ayuk, but like he's bigger than you think. He's not like some little skinny guy. So, yeah, he is not. Nice. Did you? Uh, excuse me. Uh, other side of the ball. Uh, now that we are uh, fully uh, fully exhausted on uh, that end, despite my because of my. Uh, unintentional uh, pivot. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything uh, on the other side of the ball beyond uh, Patrick Mahomes is uh, goaded with the sauce? Yeah, so I don't have like, I mean, obviously you could pull lots more uh, analytical background on the other side of the ball, but I just want to know like, is this a big Rushy Rice game? Is this a big Pacheco game? Or, like, does MVS have two big catches? Because I feel like the Niners, the, the one hill they have to die on in this game, and I know they're already saying it to themselves, is like, okay, Kelsey's not getting 11 catches again for, you know, 115 and a touchdown like he did last week. That's just not – that's not allowed to happen. So who's, who's the explosive guy on the Chiefs going to be, uh, if any? Uh, and I, I feel like the answer should be Pacheco, even though Rice has been like really good at times this postseason. I, I sort of feel like this could be a really big Pacheco game. Yeah, I think it kind of has to be in so much that it's a like this isn't a really big. Uh, sorry. Uh, the 49ers are not a deep defense outside of their defensive line. The issue for me is like a lot's going to come down to Fred Warner. A lot is going to come down to Rishi Rice if only because there is no one else. You are not trusting Sky Moore. You are going to get two good plays. Two good plays out of Marquez Valdez Scantling and that's it. Because he will have a CB3 matchup and he will have like something will get schemed up to pull the free safety down and you will get MVS for exactly two looks in this game. You will get that's all you'll get. The rest is going to Kelsey and Rishi Rice. And I think the Niners know that. The Niners are pretty much a man on man matchup team, to my understanding. It is Spagnuolo will run a lot of. Show three, roll to show uh, to play two. Uh, they'll do a lot of stuff with the safety. They'll do a lot of inversion. Pardon me. Uh, but Niners don't do that. Niners are best on best. Line up at the point of attack. Let's see how you do. 
And I think there's good to that, and I think there's bad to that. On the Chiefs side, the bad for that is Rishi Rice is getting CB1 attention. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think Rishi Rice is able to handle it. Uh, but it's just going to, like, he's just going to have a tougher time getting the ball. Yeah, I, I think that, and even like last week, this could be like a eight catches for 42 yards for Rushy Rice type of game. Like they'll want to get him involved in the passing game because they only have two guys that do anything in the passing game. But I don't necessarily see him like getting fully off the ground like he did in the Miami game in this one. I think this is going to come down to like how many times can they actually get Kelsey loose and how effective is Pacheco? I feel like those are two big keys on that side of the ball. Uh, the other one I had uh, was just. I did want to. I did want to push on Pacheco a little bit more, and uh, just pointing out that like he's been solid, not great. He like there's nothing he does particularly well, but he is really good. It's it's the Ayuk thing, except like on a you know on a lower scale. Uh, I should note that in the uh, Ringer scheme write up. Uh, that Solak and Ruiz did an excellent job on. Uh, the first sentence in 49ers defensive response after waxing poetic about uh, same side runs and 12 personnels and unique run schemes, uh, Benjamin Solak's response uh, to that write-up was, run defense, schmun defense. Let's watch some cool Fred Warner coverage plays. Uh, and then goes in to say, in all seriousness, the 49ers' run defense is chalked. Uh, it's not going to be great. They give up easy double teams on the run. Uh, they give up uh, the opportunity to be misdirected uh, by lack of matchups and uh, lack of visibility on the linebacker level. Uh, responsible for runs. It's they highlight a lot of the uh, you know David Montgomery uh, explosion game, the Jameson Williams breakout touchdown, uh, what Jameer Gibbs is able to do. What uh, you know Trey Greenlaw uh, did not do well in this game. Uh, they bring up Jackson's favorite thing. Uh, Nick Bosa and Chase Young both crash into the core of the play. There is no commitment from Williams. Uh, get a little overzealous. Uh, so Jackson does no ball. Uh, Jackson is a film tape grinder. Uh, he is a film rat. Uh, known, known and based. Uh, but the, the one issue that I think will like could be a saving grace, uh, for the 49ers is the lack of Joe Thune. Huge, huge. If he cannot play the Super Bowl because of this pectoral injury, they then bump up Nick Allegretti. And Nick Allegretti has played almost exclusively special teams for most of his career. In the entirety of his career, he's started 13 games in five years. Uh, and I would say most of that came in, yeah, 694 of those 1,100 offensive snaps came in 2020. And beyond that, 
He's mostly getting like 20% special team snaps, and he's just a reserve lineman. He has a receiving touchdown to his name, mind you. Uh, should just point that out. That's closed. three years old. And it, ma- it hey, it matters. But for me, it is a uh, – Andy Reid was kind of not posturing, but talking about, hey, if Thune goes down, we've got Nick in, and Nick, you know – he gets treated like a starter by the guys in the building, and, and he gets a ton of respect for the work that he puts in. Only allowed four pressures against the Ravens, uh, four pressures and a sack to Justin Matabuke. Uh, with the Niners' depth of pass rusher, though, it is uh, it is a big deal, especially on passing plays. It is not quite Tampa Bay 2.0, but we note the recipe is being able to get Mahomes pressure while rushing for. And the Niners are good at that. They have solid pressure numbers when rushing three or less, uh, 25.1% when they rush four at 15th in the league, and 21.4% when they rush three or less, which is 14th. But in the few times that they've rushed three or less, it can't be a lot because it's it's less than 2%. They've got a sack rate of 21.4. I think that's very funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who knows what circumstances those might be under. That's that's a yeah. small sample. But regardless, the big number here is EPA per play allowed when rushing four or fewer. Mm-hmm. You rush four, it's seventh best in the league at negative 0.7. Or 0. Uh, 0.07, sorry. Uh, three or less – that jumps up to more than negative uh, negative 0.5, minus 0.54. I think that is a huge deal. Yeah. I think the fact that, like, especially when, like, we've talked about the Juwan Taylor matchup. We've talked about the Thune injury. And the rest of this offense isn't fantastic. And I've just got to grab the name because there's another guy. Uh, I think it's Trey Smith. Uh, Donovan Smith is also 41. We can't forget that Donovan Smith – uh, is playing – oh, no, the, I'm thinking of the wrong guy. I'm sorry. Donovan Smith's the uh, Tampa Bay uh, tackle who's 30 years old. Uh, I'm thinking of a guy who uh, – not Dwayne Brown. Uh, am I thinking of Dwayne Brown? Uh, I am thinking of Dwayne Brown. Uh, Dwayne Brown is 38, who I was thinking of, the Jets guy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, sorry to tangent and come back, but – uh, Juwan Taylor holding issues. Trey Smith holding issues. Creed Humphrey good. Donovan Smith solid. Nick Allegretti big question mark. And then they've got three down linemen left: Lucas Niang, Wayne Wayne Morris, and Mike Caliendo. They've got no depth behind there, and it's a big defensive line. So it's everyone going 100 percent of plays. It is all gas, no breaks. Uh, the trench battle, Kansas City offense. Niners defense is going to spell it both in the run game and the pass game. This is where this game gets decided on this side of the ball, at least. Fun fact, the chiefs don't have anyone over 34 on their roster right now. And they have uh, Blaine Gabbert, Travis Kelsey, and this guy Winchester, who's their long snapper. Those are the 34 year olds. This has to be the youngest chiefs team in history. Uh, while we're on the note of age. That used to be my favorite thing about the, uh, about the uh, Packers 
that the Packers this year, I, full tangent, but like it was, I, I love bringing up age stats, and I do commend you for pulling that one because I think it's important. Uh, that at a uh, at a certain point this year, there was uh, there were there are two people uh, that have played for them all season, Jackson, all season. Uh, I, I do not – I have not counted offensive line and, you know, Bakhtiari – well, Bakhtiari didn't play for them, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but on their roster, uh, every skill position player and all but two defensive players were under 30. The only two people above 30 on the Packers, Preston Smith and Devondre Campbell. Uh, They're going to be good for a long time, man. Real good for a long time. Uh, full, full tangent, shout out uh, Tosh. Uh-huh. Yeah, Tosh just Tosh and I talked for a long time about how young this team is. He's very excited. He was talking about how like Dontavian Wicks could be awesome. I was like, all right, dude. Like we're talking about no, that, no. He's spitting. He's, I'm sure he is spitting. It's like we were we were so far gone at that point. We we're like I said we we're gonna do a 15 minute segment in that pod. We're 32 minutes deep, and he's talking like deep Dontavian Wicks stuff. And I was like, all right, we're we're no, in trouble. So much respect. So much. <laughs> I, after getting antagonized by him the one time we were on the pod, <laughs> just being a constant Twitter thorn. He's going um, to antagonize you no matter what, but like he also kind of knows ball. It's the duality of man. No, he, does, <laughs> he does know ball. Uh, yeah, this this game is going to be this game is going to be really interesting. I think we're going to get a good game for we, we've had a couple good games in a row. We haven't had a big blowout in a while and i don't think the chiefs are capable of total implosion no. so even if the niners win i think they went close and i think this is going to be a good game yeah and funny enough the last time they maybe fully imploded was the super, the super bowl. bowl against yeah. tampa so you i guess you even, even still you got the most iconic mahomes highlight of all time mm. which parallel to the ground which I said was the moment of the year on our podcast with Tosh after the game, and he scoffed at me. Uh, I was like, if I'm thinking about that game, that's the one play I'm going to remember. It's like they got crushed. Mahomes was still doing like superhuman things, and when he did those superhuman things, his receiver still got hit in the face by the ball and dropped it. So yeah, no, I, feel I, don't remember, I don't remember a single thing that happened in 2020. I played 400 mm. hours of Animal Crossing that year. That was a year and a half, man. Also, the year that got us into this uh, this sports media business. So, shout out to that. However, I think it's time to talk props. I think Let's, we've arrived. Okay, Jackson, we're gonna play a game. We're gonna play a fun little game. Uh, DraftKings, not sponsored, could be sponsored. But not sponsored. <laughs> uh, imagine. <laughs> Let me just scroll away because I had pulled all my props from. Fundul, the uh, let's asterisk that out the other one. Well, Jackson, they have a they have a whole Super Bowl specials uh page, uh, and one of those sub tabs is called For the Swifties. Oh no, and they are it's not listen, Jackson, it is not Taylor Swift. How many times is she gonna be on camera? Is she gonna perform? It is straight up player props themed around uh. Song lyrics and stuff. No, just song titles. I yes. knew it. 
Oh like, my god. Anti-hero. Brock Purdy 250 plus passing yards and two plus passing touchdowns. No. Deja vu. Kansas City wins exactly by 11. Uh I want you These Jackson, these get I was I was looking through these today. These get ridiculous. I want to throw a few out there. And, and you it's not really a game, it's more just it we're playing on spy basically. Like we're just kind of <laughs> we're just kind of doing a little call and response thing and doing. I think I, we should wow. both have to pick one of these. Like I think, we pick, one. I think we pick three. I think we dre- we like you know we could talk we could talk through it because I don't want dead air for thirty seconds and I don't want you to have to go back. But I think we get a sense of the board and we draft the three most ridiculous by premise <laughs> of what has to happen. Because I played around with a few of these today, and I found some of these just utterly fascinating. The domino effect of what would have to happen. And also, I do get 1-1. No, I'll let you get 1-1 because you do this a lot and say that I get 1-1 because it's better or because it works better. But I just have one so in mind and have a stat tied to it uh, that – I hope you find it first, and I'll give you the stat anyway. But uh, there, God, there are some good ones in here. Is it karma, Travis? Kelsey, it's karma. Zero Jackson, Jackson, Travis Kelsey has been held to zero receptions one game or zero receptions one game in his entire career. Yeah, it is the second game he ever played. He has never gone zero catches since. It's not happening. Like it's not he, happening. they give you plus three. They give you plus three thousand. It might as well be three million. Like, even if, even if it's like the Chiefs are kneeling the ball out, they will like do a forward flip to Kelsey for a negative two yard reception to get him his catch in the Super Bowl. That is the least likely prop bet. Like I had, they have one of these on here about an octopus. I even pulled like any player no, to score an octopus. octopus. Yeah, I pulled I pulled one uh, from another site about just any player to score an octopus. I kind of like that one, but this is like truly improbable. So you want? Do you want to take uh, karma as your one one? I'm taking karma. Karma is the most ridiculous one by far. <laughs> I just want to throw this line out from my from my article. Travis Kelsey's played 180 combined games across the regular season and postseason. Been held to zero receptions just once in his retiring uh, is in in his entire career, the second game of Kelsey's rookie career. The Chiefs still won that game, <laughs> so even <laughs> it's that- never happened. <laughs> oh my gosh, Swift oh. Swifties don't fall for the trap. Just don't do it. We're here to save you. All right, you want to, you want to pick one, and then we can debate over our third one. No, we're doing three apiece. There's enough oh. of these that are weird. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. all right. You, your, your pick. My next pick, or my first pick, uh, it's tough because I'm doing it as a juxtaposition pick because it's more it's more ridiculous when you hear the other prop next to it. Uh, I'll I'll keep it up for grabs, and you can take it if you want. Uh, the other one, if you want. Uh, but wildest dream. Travis Kelsey scores the first and last touchdown at plus 2,500. It's not weird. It's weird on its own. It's weird on its own that, like, you know, there are first touchdown props. I don't know if there are last touchdown props. I don't really gamble. 
but it's interesting to kind of have that like dual ending, like, you know, bookend it, whatever. But there is a separate prop out here called Love Story, which says that the Chiefs win and Mahomes and Kelsey account for all of the Chiefs' touchdowns. I don't know if the specificity of first and second makes it, you know, that much more improbable or specific a series of events. But Love Story is plus 2,000 and Wildest right. Dreams is plus 2,500. Yeah. It, <laughs> What's that? It doesn't make sense that the like, like the storyline of Travis Kelsey and Pat Mahomes taking over the entire game and winning is somehow less probable than, than Kelsey scoring the first one, Pacheco like trickling in a rushing touchdown, and then Kelsey scoring again. I don't know. No, I that's totally backwards. And also, you you can also just get today was a fairy tale. Tra- Kelsey to score a TD at any time, and the Chiefs to win at plus two forty. So we're like ten timesing it unnecessarily or necessarily if you really feel convicted that he's getting the first and last touchdown. It's more. It's two and a half times. Okay, you can go. That it's that like I had to set it up as that. And sorry if I knocked love story off the board because that is. A very ridiculous premise. Mahomes <laughs> and Kel- I, I couldn't find a way to stat head my way into 100% of points belong to this interaction. Uh, but uh, here we are. All right. I'm, I'm taking blank space. Uh, it is Travis Kelsey to score an octopus. Uh, the reason I'm taking it is because it's plus 3,000 and like I could sort of see it happening. But I'm also taking yeah. it. I'm also taking it because blank space just has nothing to do with Travis Kelsey scoring an octopus. Like that's the, <laughs> the least, the least sensical name of all of the prop bets by far. Like guarantee you, like end zone. Sure, but like I don't know, man. I I feel like you could find much more appropriate Taylor Swift song titles. Uh, Why didn't you date a beetle? Name it. Knew, knew you were trouble. Him. I don't know. Is that there's got to be a new you or trouble on here somewhere? No, if not, I'm I'm transferring it the name to that. Okay, mine is two is better than one, which is two successful two point conversions mm-hmm. of plus twelve hundred. Now, this is such a rare occurrence, Jackson. I didn't realize how rare it was ever. There have only been two Super Bowls ever with multiple successful two-point conversions. Uh, I know one of them. <laughs> it's the Patriots-Falcons one, and then a failed comeback by the Chargers, funny enough, against the 49ers, I think, uh, yeah. in 1995. Uh, it's happened once this playoff run, uh, when Dallas failed to come back against the Packers. It's incredibly rare. <laughs> Teams since 2000 have had two successful two-point conversions in the playoffs just five times. And there's never I, – I tried my best to look. My eyes kind of glaze over when I look at big stat head uh, things, uh, sample sizes, and I wanted to make sure that I got it right. And I could triple check again and, and really make sure. But to my knowledge – that in the five instances this has occurred since 2000, one team has been responsible for the double two-point every time. So you're basically betting on one team 
to go down a ton and try and mount a comeback. And then when, like, I don't know, on top of the improbability that this highly close Super Bowl is, uh, that this that this very close Super Bowl ends up a blowout, that that blown out team then is able to win like two 40% chances. It is. <laughs> Doesn't have to be by the same team. But that was my whole thing. They've never had the same team do it, or like never multiple had teams, both do teams do it. Yeah. I mean, never know. Never know. <laughs> I I do agree. That's a ridiculous one. Uh, and also, just in like very niche Swifty lore, like why are we doing the John Mayer song? Like, we, don't, <laughs> we don't talk John Mayer, guys. No chance. Now, my last one. I feel like I'm not getting enough juice on. It's the last great American dynasty. Chiefs to win by 22 or more points. It's only plus 1,200, Kale. That's not happening. They're not winning this game by 2022. That's just an absurd number. (laughs) They could be up by 28 with three minutes to go and still lose. There's just no way the Chiefs are getting up by 22 plus at any point in this game. It's it's very similar to uh, is it over now, which – which I think is what yours was plus twelve hundred to win by twenty two or more. Mm-hmm. Probably that with is it over now? Which is Chiefs to lead at any point. I think that's lead at any point because it just says Kansas City Chiefs to lead by fourteen or more points. That's such an easy parlay if you're insane with your money. Yeah, um, not, not that they would ever let you parlay these. Uh, just just insane. Um, You're like, I see your ridiculous parlays, and I want to cook up one of my own involving two of them. Yeah. Uh, I did. There are so many. There's so many good ones. It's a good game, Uh, Kale. Thank you for bringing that to the table. I've still got got one more, and I do want to shout out some honorable men. I do just (laughs) – I couldn't think – I'm sure there's a song called Seven. But naming a prop just seven, winning margin to be exactly seven, <laughs> is funny to me. Uh, the uh, the Travis Kelsey eighty plus uh, eighty seven plus receiving yards. Uh, mine is good. Uh, if if you're all over our rushing game, the way we've talked about it today, mastermind might be good for you. 49ers win and which is the other dumbest named one that you based on the name mastermind you have absolutely well, no, that's like masterminding a game plan like that kind of plays i think it's been pretty evident that this is the weakness of the uh of the kansas city chiefs defense i think it's pretty uh pretty apparent at this point uh if you didn't <laughs> There's so many about like Travis Kelsey scoring all the time. If you want to do, I didn't even realize this in the uh, in the uh, uh, t- today was a fairy tale prop, uh, but they also have a separate one uh, called "How You Get the Girl," where Travis Kelsey scores a touchdown in the first and second half at nine fifty. So it's just not the specificity of first and last. It's just doing it at the same time Mm -hmm. or uh, doing it in both halves for like slightly easier odds. Uh, But I am going to take friendship bracelets. 
Travis Kelsey or Kyle Juszczyk to score the first touchdown. I should have picked that one. <laughs> I think I think that one's just nice because I just want to look up the first score, uh, first score props. Because Travis Kelsey can't be that like can't be that low, and Kyle Juszczyk has to be insanely high. Uh, yeah, Travis Kelsey's plus set. You're getting worse odds. You're getting worse odds by like expanding your range of outcome. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. But Travis Kelsey's sorry, I thought about that stupidly. Uh Travis Kelsey's plus 750 uh to be the first touchdown scorer. And Kyle Juszczyk, plus four thousand. <laughs> so you're you you know whopping plus four thousand into that only gives you uh an extra minus 150 yeah Whatever. in in a sense it is better value so take the same it difference well. yeah it's the same difference between choosing you could choose uh for the net difference of travis kelsey to travis kelsey and you get use check uh you can just go debo to travis kelsey instead so uh yeah that was the game i'm that glad you enjoyed because that was a whoever I respect whoever at DraftKings, uh, not whatever intern, because uh, $23 billion are being spent on gambling this year. So this was a serious venture by someone uh, high up at the company who pitched this. But I just like to think about the executive meeting that they had where they had to put together song lyrics to uh, player legal prop bets. Can I give you two, like, I got two Taylor Swift song titles that I can't believe they didn't use in some way. Uh, she has a song that's just called The Great War. How is that not the name of one of these bets? And then Paper Rings. This game is four rings. There's got to be some mention of the Paper Rings somewhere in here. Yeah, but paper, like Paper Rings is basically like Mickey Mouse rings. Like, it's the same thing as Paper Tiger. Like, it's not a real threat. It's okay, not a real well, ring. So, like, you can't, like, say, like, the, like, the Niners win. Like, w- like, would that prop be, like, the Niners win, but the Chiefs gain more yards or something? Like, Yeah, or just, like, uh, Brock Purdy to throw for under 200 yards and win Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, these are all positive. That is the wrinkle, which I think is also part of the meeting. I don't think Swifties are negative. They are not. I don't think you can be – I don't think you can be mean in these bets. I think you have to be nice. Except well, in the ones that are blatantly like anti-hero. Brock Purdy does well. <laughs> well, look, he, he is their anti-hero. Uh, should we ground this conversation in ones that we chose? Or is that too far gone now at this point? We, we can. <laughs> I did just want to throw out... Uh, I, did too much, I did too much research into... Uh, Song props, and I did want to mention them. Uh, Reba McIntyre's over under for the national anthem uh, it's really is, floating around, is floating around 90 and a half seconds, Jackson. Just by historic context, every Super Bowl national anthem on average 103 second average, 103 and a half. Last since 2000, 115.4. Six of the last 10 Super Bowls, over two minutes. I then looked up the BPM 
of Reba's 1998 hit album, Reba. 127 BPM, fast singer. National Anthem, traditionally performed, 92 BPM. But if you listen to a 92 BPM metronome, a 92 BPM metronome is a lot faster than you think. And that song still gets pumped out at 74 seconds. So unless you think that Reba is blazing through this and will not milk a second of this moment, take the under. And Vegas probably knows something we don't. Take the over, is, you're saying. No, I'm saying, like, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, take the over. Like, Vegas probably knows something we don't. Uh, and that Reba will likely pump through this. But just historically, 90.5 is breakneck pace. Like, you were almost doing, like, standard, like, ba 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 Like, you are really hitting all those notes. That, like, I'm not kidding. That was pretty close to 92 BPM. It is a <laughs> quick song. Look, uh, the guy's done the research. I don't uh, know. Don't know what else there is to say. Like, you're not slipping this one past Kale. Also, just throwing it out there. The uh, I I did I did a like 400 word breakdown of Usher halftime appearance props, uh, and I'm so convinced that there will likely be an appearance because uh, one yeah opening song listed at minus one hundred thousand. Uh, minus one hundred thousand. Leaked pretty much off the board. Uh, on Betano, uh, I've never heard of Betano, but it was the only place that would give me first song odds. Uh, and FanDuel has taken Ludacris and Little John appearances off the board. Every other option on the board is pretty dumb, unless you think they're going to bring out Alicia Keys to do my boo, which is the odds on favorite right now. And the rest of them are really bad. You're not going to have Post Malone put. Post Malone is the second uh, second most favorite odds at minus 440. Post Malone put out the song of the Usher in 2022. No one knows what that song is. I don't know what that song is. I just know he put a song out with him. He's doing America the Beautiful, which also feels like a weird bit. And I don't feel like, like that would be such a low-impact punch uh, to like set up the logistics of a Super Bowl appearance. And it would just feel so lame to have Post Malone be like, the guy that sang America Beautiful, everyone, he was already here. No one knows this song, but we're doing it anyway. Uh, so that feels like a weird one. Uh, there's no there's no upstaging going on. Taylor Swift, plus 550, not happening. No. You're not letting us, like, that's, you're not doing secret Taylor performance. I also don't think you're doing a Biebs performance. Bieber was the mentee of Usher. And People Usher was Hobbs on the One Less Lonely Girl remix. Uh, that's a Bieber song, though. That's basically upstaging. The the, the rest of these props, I then, I then found out, Nicki Minaj plus 270, Usher and Nicki, they might have beef dating back to 2020. I don't think that's happening. Will I Am? You think Will I Am is coming out to do OMG? No shot. I wouldn't hate it. No. <laughs> That's the my one favorite of, one we've heard, besides Lil John and Ludacris, which obviously should happen. But yeah, I mean the, the Alicia Keys my boo would be fun. 
Uh, the one that I want to happen, if only because of how funny it would be. Pitbull, Mr. 305. DJ's got us falling in love. However, good. it is made more funny by the fact that when the Super Bowl was in Miami with Sierra and J-Lo, and they bring out ba- uh, Bad Bunny and J Balvin, they do not bring out Pitbull, who has a combined, apparently, like 12 songs between Pitbull, Sierra, and J-Lo. Uh, like so many collabs between the three of them. And is Mr. 305, which is literally Miami, and, and like lobbied for it, did Super Bowl like promo before, and could not get a bid for the Super Bowl halftime show. And now he's going to come out at minus 114 odds to do 30 seconds of DJ's Got Us Fallen in Love. I think that's all. Let's run it, Pitbull. Uh, There are many. Okay, now there's real real props we can do. Yeah, many good ones of those. Uh, Going back to something that you mentioned early in the show, it was one of it was going to be one of my keys to the game, and I decided to just save it for props. Uh, Just kittle big game essentially, and this is uh, I believe this was Aaron Schatz is like sort of best bet prop as well. But I want to piggyback off it. Three over three and a half receptions, over 47 and a half receiving yards. Those feel very solid to me. I know he's coming off a game where he only had two catches. Don't particularly care. Like the matchup just dictates that this should be a Kittle game. Could still hit the over on receiving yards without hitting the over on receptions, but I like them both. So have at it. Yeah, I think they have a big game. I think if, especially if Chiefs play a ton of man. Uh, that's going to be pretty impactful. Uh, Kittle leads the 49ers in both targets and receptions against man coverage. So I know the Chiefs are good against tight ends, but that'll be a very positive matchup uh, for San Francisco if they get man. That'll be real interesting to see. I like that one a lot. Jackson, I see you do have uh, McCaffrey over at four and a half receptions, uh, not to drop you. Uh, or scoop you. I just wanted to uh, additionally throw on like five more. Uh, uh, I really, I really, really think uh, Christian McCaffrey minus 210 anytime touchdown, I think really big. Uh, I'm all over that. Uh, I am all over, like I said, uh, I forget if I said this. Did I say it up top or did I say it off mic? Uh, the Christian McCaffrey currently at over 91.5 rushing yards at minus 115. If you then take that, the uh, first half rushing yard totals, uh, it's like 44.5. He could get that first drive. Uh, he is He's really goddamn good. Uh, you can you can play with a lot more uh, parlays and tight era you know parlays and and specials within that. Uh, I I'm just really I think is a massive game. I could not agree more. Uh, I have uh, the as you mentioned the over four and a half receptions. Uh, I think that it's like I'm tempted to take like six and a half like the alternate line, but. I don't know. He hasn't had that many games with tons of catches lately. And as you said, they might just do it on the ground, but couldn't see it as more of a lock that they're at least dumping him a few. Uh, 
I still like Pacheco in this game. I'll take the over 67 and a half rush yards and the uh, if you could like scheme up a parlay of like 45 and a half or 50 and a touchdown uh, and get plus odds on that. I like that, too, because I think he's I think he's getting in the paint at some point. He did it last year. He gets it gets it done in the in goal to go situations. I've been really impressed by like, okay, it's first and goal from the seven. Pacheco runs it down to the two, bangs it in from the two on second down. I think he'll be he'll be their best weapon in goal to go scenarios. Cause I think that, you know, with the with the limitations of their receiving group and, you know, everyone wanting to key in on Kelsey, the run game kind of becomes their best option down there. I think I think pound for pound value. I I feel like Mahomes would get it regardless. But, like, I, I'm talking MVP, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I like Christian McCaffrey, uh, and I like the positive juice I get. But you can't get above 5-1 to one at any book. If you really think the run game is going to be impactful this game, go Pacheco because you can get Pacheco anywhere from 2,800 to 3,500. If you really don't think that, uh, that Niners run D, if you think it's run defense, schmun defense, let's run some Fred Warner coverage routes. Uh, that that's your bet. That's your bet. Is Pacheco MVP? I don't hate it at all. I I do. I did also have Mahomes MVP plus one thirty five because uh, I just think that's better value than betting the Chiefs straight up. Almost like he's just in many ways he's a lock to win MVP. But hey, you you've thrown a wrench in my plan. You've got me thinking about. Uh, a way in which he could not win MVP if they win. I just think like, and maybe it's fatigue, but I mean, he didn't have great stats the first time they beat the Niners and he still won MVP. So I, I can feel it like at a point where he would have to really not do well to not win MVP. Like, I don't think Kelsey's get Kelsey's like 17 to one. I don't think he's getting it unless Mahomes throws like two picks and Kelsey has two touchdowns. Like, I think it's, it's almost a lock that if they win, I still feel he's the MVP. I want to throw a weird one at you. It's it's a little off book from the five guys we've talked about this entire time. Well, <laughs> Marquez Valdez Scantling over 19 and a half receiving yards, minus 120. Jackson. Marquez Valdez Scantling is the only guy who can get consistent <laughs> consistent targets for Pat Mahomes anymore. Uh not named Rishi Rice or Travis Kelsey. Uh, in his the entirety of the career of the playoffs since he's been a Kansas City Chief, Valdez Scantling has averaged 18.38 yards per reception. This playoffs, he's averaged 25 a reception. Two 30-plus yard catches in the Buffalo game. Only game he didn't break 20 yards was the – uh, Miami game where he only got six because it was a blizzard and they like threw all their balls to Rishi Rice because he wasn't getting wide receiver one coverage or wide receiver one treatment. But he's going to like, you're basically betting. Will Marcus Hounders Scantling catch a pass? Yeah. I, th- I think he will. If you want to go real we, uh, wonky on that, you can get him uh, plus 850 for longest catch of the game just out of anyone. Like, there's a chance he gets, like, a 45-yarder. I see that. I see that as a fairly distinct possibility. I agree. 
I don't hate it. Getting some juice on MVS here. It's a it's a redemption story. We love it. Uh, let's talk one more from me. I just like Brock Purdy to throw a second quarter touchdown. Now the odds are onto this a little bit because he's over plus two hundred in the first quarter and it drops to plus one twenty eight in the second quarter. But first quarter is the Super Bowl is notoriously low scoring. Uh, Brock Purdy has taken a long time to get going in all of the games so far in the postseason. Uh, and I just like the second quarter as a time for it because I feel like whether they're down 10 nothing or up 10 nothing with like the strength of McCaffrey running, they'll like just get him cooking a little bit in the second quarter. So plus odds, I was I was thinking it would be minus odds because I was like, if there's any quarter where I feel like Purdy's throwing his one touchdown this game, it's the second quarter. And obviously he could throw more. So I'll take the plus odds. I want to find, I wish there was a way that I could come into this and have already done my research on how I could leverage the Chiefs being really good at short yardage passes and parlaying that into a prop bet. Uh, But I don't feel too comfortable taking McCaffrey under 50.5 receiving yards at minus 270. Uh, That feels too juiced to me. Uh, and would almost rather take the over in the event that he just kind of rolls. Uh, I want to do something with Ayuk. Ayuk, I'm looking at his alts right now. And I just, like, my issue with this is you look at Ayuk, and we've spoken so glowingly of him in this entire sort of run. Uh, of this uh, just kind of like general podcast of, of how often we've spoken positively of Ayuk. And now, like, you know, put your cards on the table time. Uh, I'm getting very scared of putting legitimate money on him. <laughs> uh, because – And we're talking big money here. That we're, no, we're talking – We're like, personally gambling. Yeah, no, we're talking like enough to buy Broadway in Monopoly, uh, like that many pieces of paper. Uh, now, like he's had so many big games, like, and against good teams too. Like he put up one thirteen in the game again that they lost to Baltimore this year. He put up one twenty six against Seattle or one fifty six against like a good Tampa Bay, like all pro corner, Antoine Winfield Jr. Like, and then his like his biggest game of the year outside of that Tampa Bay game to Arizona. Like we're not talking about that, but like he hasn't done well in the playoffs, man. Like not, not this, like this round particularly. And even like his biggest playoff game ever is the Seattle game. And uh, someone had pointed this out where, uh, I forget if it was Classen. I forget who it was on Twitter. Uh, but someone was trying uh, not to hate the uh, – er, er, they were trying to argue that the drafting or signing uh, Mike uh, McDonald to the Seattle Seahawks head coaching job wasn't just about stopping the Shanahan McVay offense. And then said, but every time I look at a cool thing that San Francisco did, it is Seahawks film, and they just get cooked. So the best game that Brandon Ayuk has ever had in the playoffs 
is against the Seahawks. And again, cooking in that game. Three receptions, 73 yards. These playoffs, Jackson, three for 32, three for 68. And then three for 68 comes on eight targets. And don't forget, 51 of those 68 were off the dude's helmet. Yeah, exactly. Great play, not necessarily uh, sustainable success, if you will. So, like, I'd love him to have a breakout game. I'd love to take Brandon Ayuk at over 81 and a half plus 210. I'll bring it down to over 70 and a half. I'll say he still is a good game. I'll say he still surpasses the odds of what he has done this season. I don't think – I haven't seen anything leaning toward Brandon Ayuk is injured. I haven't heard any whispers that, like, he is not playing at 100% speed. Uh, I haven't heard any, like, weird film guys be like, I don't know what this Brandon Ayuk matchup is going to be. But I'm long on Brandon Ayuk for this game. I'm high on Brandon Ayuk do well in this game against Legereus Need and rise to the occasion. I've got him at over 70 and a half. I'll lock that in plus 130. I support it. And he's also, he's done well, uh, like not kind of like losing the moment, even in these games where he hasn't had a ton of involvement. He has like stepped up and made some big plays on third downs in that Packers game specifically, and then having the huge catch to set up his own touchdown in the Lions game. So, you know, there's something to be said for like being ready for the moment, even if you're not having huge games. And then maybe this is the game where it like finally the levy breaks for him. So I support it based on the matchup and I support it based on the, uh, like the, the resilience of Ayuk or the patience, uh, you know, water finds its level. And you know what? 2022 Spagnuolo matchup. Seven for 11, 82. That's over. If anything, I'm being conservative. I heard it over. Uh, folks, we've we've got to get out of here. Uh, last last one shouted out in under 10 seconds. I, I had the plus 980 any player to record an octopus. I just think that's fun. Uh, did I have any? Oh, I did want to throw this one out at you, Jackson. Uh, the Athletic had this one. Either kicker hits the upright slash crossbar on a missed field goal or extra point. The doink bet. At plus 400. That's not enough. Come on. <laughs> I was going to be behind it, except plus 400 is brutal. I would take just Jake Moody to miss a field goal at some point in the game at any plus odds. I think there's a good chance of that happening. I, I phrased it in the article and said, want to burn money on a ha-ha funny sound effect? Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I hope that's the sound effect we're playing when we come back to you all next tuesday kale it's gonna be a super bowl i'll tell you that right now and you know what you told me you weren't like that fired up for this super bowl we've i think we've talked ourselves up into being fired up for it so godspeed may we have a pleasurable enjoying experience godspeed indeed uh listen do we have final picks do you have final picks do you have a final score chiefs 24 niners 22 I like a weird score. Uh, the score Gami odds were like plus 6,000. It was like, do you see those bets? You could bet on whether it was going to be a score Gami. That's interesting. I love it. I don't see it, how it could happen because, like, we've, <laughs> I know we get more score Gamis every year somehow, but like, Super Bowl is not the time for like a 48 to 18, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's been a game. 
Uh, <laughs> I could almost tell you that for sure. Uh, I, I, I really, I, I've been, I can't bet against the Chiefs. I, I really think it's going to be the 49ers. And I like, I really think it's going to be McCaffrey win. And I'm just, I just know I'm talking myself into a Chiefs win. Like, I just know that, like, I'm going to be wrong. Uh, I think it's, I think the Niners win, like, I can't even say they win a low scoring romp because I think a low scoring game plays into the Chiefs' favor. Uh, I think it's 20. It's twenty-seven. I think it's 49 ers and I know it's never round scores in the Super Bowl, but I think it's twenty-seven, twenty-four, 49ers. Yeah, say I feel like I can say. And last year was kind of round, by the way. Although the team scored so much that it kind of became not round at the end. But I, I definitely feel like this is the year we don't get a round number in the Super Bowl. So if I'm if I'm confident about anything, it's that it's going to be a weird score. So I like that side of the coin. Uh, even if it's just like maybe Moody misses an extra point, and that's why it's 24-22 instead of 23, or 24-20 at the end. I I feel secure in it being wonky. It's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. Uh, like, Chiefs are going to win. I'm going to win that ball again. Everyone's really need to talk about that. It's listen, they don't want the three peat. They don't want the three peat. Uh, last last item of the podcast, uh, number one Super Bowl snack slash uh thing that you put on your plate from the spread. It's the wing. wing. I will eat an entire tray of wings. (laughs) I love wings, I it's in my top three for sure. I'm gonna go with the uh. I'm going to go with the nachos. I think nachos and Super Bowls have a special place in my heart historically. So if it's available, I'm taking the nacho. They congeal. It's an issue. I will say. What kind of crass nachos are you eating? Mine aren't congealing at all. They're made with real cheese. Yeah, and they get cold, and then they congeal. My issue. They good. I, I had a hot take. It's the only time I see it come out every year. Only only event that it will ever come out. And I'll never seek it out beyond it. But a seven-layer dip on Super Bowl Sunday hits different. It it's so good. It does. I think two years ago, I think two years ago, you like bought one from the supermarket and it was still good, if I remember correctly. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because I like when you host, that's the only time you're gonna have. <laughs> seven layer dip is on Super Bowl Sunday. And I'm locking that in for sure. I thought happen? you were gonna throw out the, the bacon wrapped jalapeno popper as well as something that wow. never comes around except for perhaps on Super Man. Bowl Sunday. I'm not a glutton. A seven layer dip, not a nineteen layer dip, sir. How dare you? Not I'm not glutton. making epic mealtime videos. Come on. <laughs> not glutton. I just eat seven layer dip. Yeah, it's one chip. <laughs> There's just a lot of flavors going on. I, and always give me like the weird dip as well. Give me like the spinach and artichoke dip. Give me the French onion dip. Or give me like even just like the Lay's chips with the uh, the ranch dip out of the, the jar. All not those. The ranch, not the ranch dip. The, I want 
it's another like you know it's like christmas only comes once a year just no just the electric yellow (laughs) nacho chip that is that is ten thousand percent artificial and is 200 calories a spoonful (laughs) it's more calorically dense than peanut butter somehow (laughs) but it's damn good (laughs) all right Stay away from Manhattan, New York this weekend. For That's t- funny. I just stick to wings. I just stick to wings because I just get into I get into various goos and slimes. Let's see what else oh. <laughs> And in the eleventh hour, <laughs> any, any non-Newtonian fluid on my chip is good by me. I don't even think I can stomach naming the episode Goose and Slime, so I won't do it. No, you can't, Jackson, because it's a Super Bowl preview. Oh, <laughs> and inside jokes are not SEO. You're welcome, America. Uh, can't wait for the game. Poor Kale. I am Jackson. We'll see you next Tuesday. See y'all.